We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. Matthew 28, verse 16. After Jesus has risen and reappeared, the 11 disciples, they traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Remember, I am with you always, to the end of the age. This is God's word. Father, we ask that you would open up our hearts, our minds, our ears to receive your word this morning. Open up our eyes to see you. God, that this would not just be a textbook, this would not just be ancient words, this would be the living God speaking to us today. Your spirit, Lord, may be present here in our midst, that we would be transformed by you, that we would be made new by you, that we would experience true life with you. God, be with us, before us. Guard my mouth from speaking anything that is not of me. May I just be the best with you. So many of you know, for a few weeks in a row, I would get to like the climactic point of my message, and then my voice would just give out, right? Uh, I, I went to New Jersey, and I preached at a church there, had no problem, came back, and then it was like the worst hit I'd ever been here. Uh, and then we had a week off with the park last week, and so I don't know what's going to happen this week, right? I taught uh, two different sessions with Soma School yesterday, no problem at all, but who knows, because for some reason in this room, uh, it, it keeps happening where I just, something gets in my throat and I can't get my voice out, it's really weird, although I'm fairly certain it's from this severe sinus infection that I have. Uh, so two weeks ago on that Sunday when it was like the worst it had been, my ear also started hurting. Now, something to know about my left ear is that eardrum has burst three times before since I've been in my 20s. I get these severe infections, and it's like immediately it goes from just like, oh, I have a little bit of an earache to just pop it off. And I've gotten tinnitus because of it. I have tinnitus off and on. Uh, if any of you have that, you know it's enough to drive you mad. So as soon as I felt like, oh, my ears starting to feel a little discomfort, I knew I need to nip this in the bud. And so my wife, she set up an appointment for me at urgent care right away. So that Sunday, I went into urgent care and told her kind of my history with that ear. And she looked at it, and she was like, oh, my goodness, it's about to explode right now. So she gave me the highest dose of antibiotics she was legally allowed to give me. And I went and picked it up that day. I had enough time to still get in two doses that day, and that night my eardrum still ruptured. Woke up, there's stuff moving out of my ear. And it was really like kind of a defeating moment, right? Because, like, man, this tinnitus is going to get worse. And then something really weird started happening that week. That Wednesday night, we had our MC over, we were doing dinner, 
we were having a discussion, and I go into the kitchen because I remember, oh, I got to take my antibiotic for tonight. So I go into the kitchen to get it, and I hear Patrick from our living room saying something to the group in this year, and then about a half second later, at a higher pitch, I hear it in this year. And it was so disorienting, I like had to stop and like grab hold of the counter for a second. It was super bizarre. And then it kept happening. I kept getting this thing where I would hear normally on this year, but then half a second later, higher pitch in this year. Like someone had a tape recorder right afterward and played back. I just dated myself. You guys know what a tape recorder is, right? Okay. Super weird. Thank God. And by the way, this is something that I want to also, like, as evidence of grace. That first night, Thursday night, when our Soma School students were in, a group of guys who I never met before were like, hey, we're going to come pray for you. And so it's been doing good. Like, I, I feel pretty good. But it was this weird thing. I started Googling it. Right? You know, when you start, like, feeling something, and you get on WebMD. Like, I shouldn't have done that. Now, every, everything on WebMD says you're dying. And so I was looking it up, and I was like, what's going on with my ear? And I found, like, there's this thing, diplopusis which is like two Greek words together for double hearing. Like, this is a thing. It happens to other people. I'm not alone. Okay, cool. That's, that's kind of reassuring, but like, what is it? And everything I was finding was relating it to hearing loss. It's like, oh, great. Here we go. But then eventually, that's the problem with the WebMD. Eventually I did find, also, if your eardrum ruptures, you'll get it temporarily. It'll go away. No problem. <laughs> Thank God. Whew. But I'm sharing that because that weird phenomenon of double hearing, which was kind of an, it was an affliction for me, uh, I think comes as a grace over and over again from God to us. What we just read this morning in Matthew 28, what Jesus spoke to his followers after he had risen from the grave before he was going to go to be with his father and prepare a home for us to all dwell in together one day. What he said to them of the utmost importance was like repeating what they have heard at a different frequency, a different pitch, so that maybe you can get it this time. And I want to show you what I, what I mean by that. That this, this thing that is known as the Great Commission in Christian traditions, that often we take, we just find here in Matthew 28, and we get these words from Jesus like, oh, we got to go do something, right? we got to go and make disciples and baptize them. And what does that really even mean? This, this seems like Jesus has instituted this new thing and like this new command I give you that you have to do. No. What he's doing is he's repeating our call, our purpose, our identity, our mission, the very thing we were designed for. The very Genesis 1. When God creates all things. He creates this space for life to flourish, and then he fills the space teeming with life, with rich vegetation, with flowing waters, with animals, animals in the sea, in the sky. And then he puts humans in. Humans were these distinct creatures. They were creatures like the rest, made by the Creator, but also made to be in the likeness of the Creator, right? Made to be the representatives of him, to show the rest of the world what he's like. And what does God Say to the man and the woman. Genesis 1 28. Genesis 1 28. It's the first pages of your Bible. You want to make sure I'm telling the truth here. 
that you just listen a lot. God blessed them. This is to the man and the woman. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. 29, God also said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth, and every tree whose fruit contains seed, this will be food for you. I want to pick out some similarities there real quick. And it might sound like at first maybe this is a bit of a leap, but trust me, go with me, because this echoes all throughout the scriptures, all throughout the story. This will be repeated over and over again. What you have is God talking about authority. Matthew says the word authority. Genesis said the word dominion, right? But it's the same thing. It's the same word. One was translated in Hebrew, one from Greek. There's this picture of, of a human having authority and dominion over all things on the earth. And then there's this call to be fruitful and multiply. Or as Jesus says, hey, go out and invite others in. Go and make more of you. You're my disciples. I called you to follow me. Go make more. What is that? And there's this reminder, and I'm with you. This promise that there's a goodness with you. You don't have to worry. And God kind of ends that cultural mandate too in Genesis with a reminder, hey, I've given you everything you need. Everything you need is right here in the garden. So there's this picture of authority, what we're supposed to have as humans over the creation. A call to care for it well and multiply within it. And a reminder that God gives us everything we need to do. Now that's the thing about Matthew 28 that often I would hear before. And I would be like, oh, go and make disciples and baptize them. And I would say, man, have I baptized anyone? Who have I made a disciple of? And I would start beating myself up. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing the thing I've called to do. But what Jesus is doing is he's reminding Jesus, I'm with you. You have everything you need to do it. You don't need to try to do it in your own strength. You don't need to try to do it in your own power. And thank God for that. Because what happened when the first two humans were given that power, that authority, that dominion, what did they do? They squandered it, right? They rebelled against the God who had the true authority and power. Like they had authority and power over all of creation as representatives of the king of the universe who holds true power. Paul uses that in uh, Corinthians later. He says the word ambassadors. You are a representative of the one who has the true power, but you take his power with you on his behalf acting in order to show what he's like. That's what the first two humans were said to be. You have authority and dominion and power and rule. And because of that, because of that, it threatened the very thing God had called humans to be and to be. But we fast forward through the story, Genesis 8, we get this mandate repeated. We get this call repeated. Genesis 8, this is right after the flood comes. 
because humans rebelled against God, and they continually rebelled. In fact, the story says, the Bible says, over and over, continuously, everyone always did. And so God allows the space he created for life to flourish. He, he just kind of lets his hands go in the waters he had once separated from above and below so that life could exist. They come flooding back together. But God, but God, says, I'm not giving up on this plan for humanity. So he saves a remnant of humans, a man named Noah and his family, and he says, we're going to continue what I've called humans to be. All right, let's let's try this again. And so in a higher pitch, a, a little bit later, God repeats his call in Genesis 8. Find that verse there. Look at verse 15. Then God spoke to Noah, Come out of the ark, you, your wife, your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Bring out all the living creatures that are with you. Birds, livestock, those that crawl on the earth. And they will spread over the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah, along with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives came out. All the animals, all the creatures that crawl, all the flying creatures, everything that moves on the earth came out of the ark by their families. Then Noah goes and he builds an altar and he starts worshiping God. But do you hear similarities there? That call being echoed a little bit later. Kind of a, a little bit of a different tune to it. But you have all of the creatures of the earth. Noah and his family have dominion over They're caring for Right? They're the ones calling them out of the ark. They're the ones who call them onto the ark. And not only that, but this command, it literally says the same words, be fruitful and multiple. It wasn't plan B, right? God didn't go, oh, shoot, that didn't work. Let's try something new. No, no, he said, I'm washing the world of the sin, the rebellion, the selfishness, the violence, the oppression, but we're going to continue what I started. And then, if we were to continue through the story, there's so many examples of this, but let's just look at Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, God had called a people for himself, Israel. They were called to follow him and to be, to be his very own people. In fact, if we were to stop earlier in that, Exodus 19, what God does is he comes to them and he says, listen, I am the God who rescued you out of slavery. He establishes who he is, and he says, this is what I've done, I've rescued you. And you will be my people. And then he calls them to be a kingdom of priests. What does that mean? It means that they are called to show all the other nations what God is like. Genesis 15, God does the same thing, even before that, with Abraham. I will bless you so that all the other nations will be blessed. You see this idea of multiplication? That keeps being echoed over, over, over. So Jeremiah 29, these people that God had called to be kingdom priests, they weren't doing a very good job of going and making disciples. They weren't doing a very good job of inviting the other nations in to see what this God was like. And so what does God do? He forcefully sends them into another nation. It's called exile. Babylon comes and takes control of them, takes them captive, makes many of them slaves, and brings them back to their home. 
And this is what God tells them to do right before that happens. He sends a man named Jeremiah to be his prophet, to be a representative of him, to speak to the people. And he says this, hey, you're about to get taken captive. This is what you do. Jeremiah 29. What you do is when you get there, build houses, build gardens, parks. You build families. And it says this, multiply, not increase. What is he saying? Care for the land that you're being taken to. See that it flourishes, right? That's having dominion and authority. Even as slaves, God's calling them to have dominion and authority because he has the true power. And to be fruitful and multiple. Just a little bit later, that double hearing at another pitch, another frequency, maybe you'll get it this time, right? Maybe you'll hear it. But do they? Now here's the problem. Again, as I said, when we read Matthew 28, sometimes we're just like, man, this is what i got to do, and i got to just try harder at it. I've got to be a better Christian, right? And I think a lot of times maybe when the Israelites were hearing some of these calls on them too, they might have thought the same thing. Like, oh, we just got to, you know, that was the Pharisees. Like, hey, we just got to do better. We got to follow the rules better, right? We got to stop doing these things. Start doing these things. And they're starting with who? Starting the story with themselves. So with Missy, we talk about this a lot, but when we're reading scripture, we try to move through a movement, a gospel movement of four questions. That the story begins with who? In the beginning, God, right? We start with who is God? What is it that God does? And then because of that, now who are we? And finally, we'll get to that last question of, now what do we do? And that what do we do is now formed out of our identity, which was given to us by God and his actions. Because when we move backwards, we start to define our identity based off of our sinful actions. Well, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a liar. I'm a gossip. See those declarative I am statements about me? Because of something that's done, right? And then what we do, even unwittingly at times, is we continue to trace that back we define who God is based off of our actions. Like, I don't have any power over this. That means God is not present in my life. He, he must just not care about what's going on. So he's absent. But if we move the right way, if we move the way that the gospel tells us, the way that the story of God, the scriptures show us, starting with who God is first, we hear about a God loves. A God who creates. A God who gives. A God who serves. A God who moves toward. And this God decides to create a beautiful world. But he says it's good over and over and over again. And to create humans in his very image. and his very likeness. What is your identity as a human? You are a living statue representation of the creator. That's what First and foremost, 
Now, yes, we, we, our sin has consequences, right? Our sinful behavior, our rebellion against this good God cuts us off from relationship with him. It mars our relationship with one another. It even destroys our relationship with the very earth he called us to care for. But what God has continued to do is be the same who God is all the way through the whole story. He continues to love and create and move toward and pursue and give and invite us back to be who we create. And I believe this moment, this moment, this is the pivotal moment, the like highest pitch frequency, the, the echo that we need to hear the most. When Jesus in Matthew 28 reclaims this, he is reclaiming our calling, our identity, and authority. Because though we made ourselves enemies to God, he's bringing us back into what we were meant to be. What does he say? He says, baptize That's a weird word, right? If you've been around the church for a while, it's not that weird. You know what it is. It's dunking under some water, right? It's getting wet. Or maybe if you've been around different, you know, genres of the church, you might have different... No, it's sprinkling, man. Like, don't get super wet, right? Who's allowed to get baptized? At what age? And all that stuff. And we've made it this weird thing, and here's why. It's actually not a translated word. It's what's called a transliteration. If you don't know what that means, what that means is this. They were translating the scripture from the language it was in, in the New Testament, it was the Greek, it was old Greek, called Koine Greek, and they we're taking words and going, okay, what does that mean in our language now? And they would translate that. But they would get to a word like baptize or baptizo, and they would go, uh, let's just spell that with English letters that are similar to the Greek letters. So we didn't get a, a real translation of it. Now we have this word that was never an English word that we use as a Christian all the word means. Can you imagine what would have happened if people got there and they translated and said, and immerse them. And cover them. With. To be fully wrapped up. Covered. This is why the New Testament writers, the early apostles and the early church, they would always write these letters and talk about, you are clothed in Jesus. Right? That's what that word baptism means, is to be covered in. So we get this idea, like, oh, i, I got to go and make disciples. So I take them through a discipleship class at my church, and i got to baptize them, so i got to get their head dumped underwater somehow. You guys ever watch Nacho Libre? Right? And he's got his friend, that he, his wrestling partner, and he's, like, forcing him to get baptized. He's getting the dude wet. He's just trying to drown him. To be immersed in what? What does Jesus say? Make disciples of all nations, immerse them, cover them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I know what that means. That means when I dunk someone's head in the water trough, that's how we do it. I say, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And if I say that, then we're good. We're covered, right? It's kind of like when we end our prayer, we're like, in Jesus' name. Because that's what we're supposed to do, right? Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means when you go in the name of something? My sons, their last name is Preeby because they are part of my family. It's the same exact thing we were talking about earlier with that picture of being an ambassador. When you go in the name of, you are representing. And not only are you representing, 
but you are part of it. And it's so fascinating to me that Matthew chooses to end his retelling of the gospel story in a similar way that it was started. Yes, he starts with the genealogy, and that's all super important. But pretty closely right after that, in Matthew 3, talks about Jesus' what? Baptism. Jesus' immersion. Jesus doesn't really need to be cleansed from his sin. He doesn't have sin. But what he does in that moment is he goes and he fully identifies himself with the sin of humanity. And also, at the same time, is fully identified as the Son of God. What happens in that moment? You have the Spirit hovering over the waters like a dove. Just like the Spirit hovered over the waters at the beginning of creation. Genesis. You have the Son there being faithful, obedient to what God had called him to do. And you have the Father's voice saying, this is my son, my love, and I am very pleased with him. The beginning of the story in the garden, when God makes humans and he says, this is very good. Right? All creation, this is good, this is good, this is good, and then humans, this is very good. He's so pleased. They're there to be his representative, to be in his name, to be part of his family, to be his representative to the rest of creation. And when the first man failed at that, we finally get a man much later in the story named Jesus who fully does it. He does it perfectly. So when Jesus says all authority on earth and in heaven has been given to me, what he's doing is he's reclaiming the authority that was meant for humans from God. But we gave up. We forfeited it. What happens when when? God says, hey, you have authority over all creatures, and then a little snake slithers up to you and lies to you. And you believe the snake, the creature, instead of the creator. What you've done is you have now given your authority over to that. The very thing you're supposed to have dominion over, you've given it to. And Jesus comes back and crushes the head of the serpent and reclaims that authority that was rightfully to be given to humanity. Now we have a better man. A better, more perfect human. You have authority and dominion over all of creation, and Jesus doesn't just hold that to himself. No, no, no. The creation call to be fruitful and multiply. Jesus says, hey, I'm sharing with you. Come and follow me. Come be part of this story with me. All authority on heaven and earth is given to me, and I'm sharing it with you. Be my representatives. Go in my name. So that when you are immersed in Jesus, when you're covered with him, you know the words of the Father that were spoken over Jesus are spoken over you now. This is my son. This is my daughter who I love. And I am very pleased with You are now wrapped up in the identity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus reminds you, hey listen, you will never be alone. I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. I will be with you through it all. When life gets hard, when things aren't going your way, when it seems like you aren't making any disciples and you're like, what am I doing wrong? Jesus says, I'm with you. My power is present with you. And one day, 
when he says to the very end of the age, you know what he's talking about? He's saying when all of this sorrow is gone, all of this sickness, death, sin is gone. And that's fully cleansed out. A new age. Jesus will be with us all of that fully. He said, I'm coming back, preparing a place for you. We will dwell with God forever in eternity. That's that story that keeps echoing over and over again. Hey, you were called to live with God, to represent God, to show the rest of creation what God's like. But we keep saying that. So Jesus called, I'll do it for you. Now listen, I want you to do it with me. I'll be with you. I will be your God, you will be my people. And the rest of the world will be blessed. So I, sometimes it's like, I, I don't know what my words are doing here. <laughs> uh, I didn't choke up this time, so that's good. So sometimes I, I don't know if I'm saying this right. right. I'm just praying that the Spirit would help you hear it right. What, I'm, what I don't want you to hear in all this is like, guys, you need to go out and do this. What I want you to hear in this is you have a new identity in here in Jesus. And you have the power to actually do the things that God calls you to do. It's not your own. It's his. It's not your own identity that you need to make for yourself and build. It's his. Share it with him. Trust him. Rest in him. Hope in him. When you struggle to believe it, call community in together to remind you of that. Struggle with this. I need help with my own let us be a community that reminds one another of this truth and sends one another out the power and in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay?